episode number 210 of the Tartan Running Shorts podcast, hosted by Tom Bryan, Lewis Walker, and myself, Kyle Gregg. So we're back together. This is uh, two two episodes on the bounce. The three musketeers have been uh, at it. So, I mean, this this I'm really again looking forward to another awesome episode. Last the last episode was fantastic. Got some great feedback from the listeners. Uh, the stats are shooting up as as they always are. They're starting to trend upwards again. So the popularity of TRS is back. And um, and yeah, we're looking forward. Tommy's got his Christmas jumper on today. He's looking clean shaven. He must have a Christmas party coming up. <laughs> Lewis has uh, got some wintry bushes behind him, but I think it's a virtual one, I hope. And uh, I'm just boring old Kyle with my 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 Asics or my super dry hoodie on. Nothing, no, you know, just a, a, another wee haircut again. So nothing's happening for my, you, my end. Are you shaving? Are uh, you shaving, shaving your yeah. head, Kyle? You're shaving yeah. it, right? Upside down face. It's me. Yeah, that looks like a big job right there. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you guys are no, like brothers to... right now, to be quite honest. It's like, uh, it looks like no, I'm looking at the no, Mitchell he's... brothers here. <laughs> no, he's, he's Mr. Potato Head. <laughs> <laughs> do, do you know what's funny, right? So I got my glasses measured online, and um, I think is it the PDP, the, the distance between your eyes? And it's, I think it's maybe between 60 and 70 mils. Apparently, I'm 52 mils. And they kept emailing me back, are you sure that's your, your diameter? And I was like, yeah, that's my measurements. And they were like, nah, that's well below average. And I was like, what are you trying to say? Like, you know, I've never met this guy. Well, I took a picture. And uh, he's like, make sure you do record it using a ruler and using this app called Glasses On app. So you have to put like a bank card in your head with a magnetic strip. And it still came out 52. Um Anyway, so I'm basically this upside down potato head, cyclops, whatever else you want to throw at me. You just just crack on with insults, folks. It's fine. But well, do you know though? Rather than rather than just give you you take a a beating, Kyle on TRS, which is always entertaining. But actually, I think the most important thing. Last time we're on, Kyle came on here and said he was going to turn out these districts and he was going to count for the Metro team. And did he? Yes, he did. did. Well done, sir. Well done. Thank you, thank you. I bet you thought I was sandbagging saying I would get the, you know, aim for the top six in the Metro count. What what place was it, Lewis? Six. I have no idea. Doesn't know. He doesn't follow my performance in the world. Yeah. No longer. I was sixth Metro, which I was delighted delighted with. Um, I was lying in seventh Metro for a while and, until yeah. I... Until I went past Rico, who uh, and, and ha- happened to to be right behind me. So, um, but boy, I mean, that it was a cracking race. It was I I was quite happy with my my performance. But in fact, do you know what? I wasn't quite happy. I was I was I was satisfied with it. <laughs> um, you looked it good was, though. I thought you looked was, like I mean, you you ran as Lewis had instructed. You looked like you were canny. You 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 went. You looked good. You looked better than the guys around you in the last part of the race. I thought. The guys who were ahead of me, you mean? Well, no, you you dropped you you know you you and Rico had a bit of a tussle. I thought you looked like you know, I look at some of the other guys around you. You looked like you were closing on. Maybe you didn't close them, but I thought you finished. It looked you looked well. Certainly, I don't see your splits, but you looked like you were you had something left at the end in the la- at the end, in the last half of lap or so. Well, well, it's interesting you say that. I mean, well, I'll just reverse back slightly. I did. I, I I didn't like. I did take Lewis's advice. Uh, I met him. Well, I met him on Friday, so. He only, uh, what was it I had? I think it was an Echo Fecken cake, uh, or whatever mm-hmm. you call it. An Echo Biscuit? Yeah, 
which uh, yeah, you know, you, you, I was eating that. You certainly had a big mouth around that. I I, I was eating <laughs> that thing for hours. It was huge. It was humongous. Yeah. Thing. So that carbo loaded me up for the eight k race, and uh, I did. I started off canny, Tommy, and and uh, and I didn't really lose any positions throughout the the race. I think um, I maybe gained a few rather than lost that many. Um, but what I found interesting it was that certainly the final last half lap uh, was. I had um, three Aberdeen guys were right behind me. So like they were, and, I, and all three of them, I could I could just imagine they're track athletes. They've got speed in their legs. And they were literally, it was like the European cross country champs. You know, you could see the sprint finishes. It was like that, but you know. Just the, like it. Sure. The, 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 yeah. the kind of slightly below standard uh, race. But the, they were catching me. And all I could think of was, right, I need to make sure that the Aberdeen team don't get ahead of me because they're probably our rivals in terms of team position. I mean, little did I know that they didn't really need to count, and I was it was it wouldn't make a difference anyway if they they did go ahead of me. But um, it was the the final straight two hundred meters to go. I, I I've never done any. I've never felt like it in my life. I was sprinting. I must have laid down a four thirty mile absolutely for the last hundred meters. I was absolutely going for it. I was. I was like these. It was, these Aberdonian kids behind me, they're not getting ahead of me. No danger. But so I did. I, I was like, my arms are like, my shoulders are hunched like this. I had my elbows out to make sure that they wouldn't go oh, oh, like around me. Although the, the field was pretty wide, the, the, the finishing straight was quite wide. So <laughs> yeah, they could have say, just oh, ran past me. <laughs> but I was like this, like this. I looked like, I don't know. It was, it was like I was skiing fast, really, really quickly, you know, like that. It was ridiculous. But I, I stood my ground and I and I held on for a 39th position, top 40. That was my aim, was top 40, Super. and I came 39th. But the three Aberdeen guys had the exact same time as me, so, so that was quite funny. Um, so yeah, that was my little, uh, that was my my wee success on the day, uh, and also to count for the the Metro Six team as well. So and you know what was, was a highlight for me? Seeing you got you, Jason and Chris running three abreast. And I think Jason didn't, but certainly you and Chris had your TRS shorts on. So ah, that's right. Beautiful. Wasn't it just, eh? Wasn't it just, eh? Uh, no, it was like the ultra running gang were back in the game yeah, again. So that's exactly was, what uh, I thought, yeah. I had, it was a little, uh, it was a little, a, a wee heartwarming moment there. Um, but I mean, there was a couple of cracking performances. That Scott Melville guy who was fifth, he only yeah, started running strongly. last year. Um, and he, I think, I mean, based on his his profile, I think he had a, he wasn't running. He had a fairly sedentary lifestyle for a while, and and he picked up running just over a year, and he's running sub sixteen for a five k. And I, I, you know, I was like, that's impressive, man. Yeah. You know, I mean, for, for for him to have a performance like that, it takes me. It's about thirty years I've been in the sport, and and I'm, you know, these guys who are just not even a year in the sport are are now going past me these days. So uh, anyway. It was a good. I was. I was quite happy. But to be fair, to be fair, folks, it's not about me in this episode at all. I've I've done my little recap. <laughs> we've got so much to talk about. With we do not only performances, but we've got two interviews. Yes, two interviews, folks. Uh, on tonight's Woo-hoo! show, we've got um, senior men's. Uh, so so not senior men's. Um, under twenty. Three athlete Andrew McGill, who's going to jump on the show, uh, who was representing Great Britain at the European Cross Country Champs in in Belgium this weekend, uh, and we've also got um, 
Colin Venton, an Edinburgh AC athlete, who is uh, going to talk about his book, The Wine Runner. So, and amongst all that, we're obviously going to talk uh, cross-country champs, district champs, races, results, recaps, Valencia Marathon, and uh, and all the other things in between. So, uh, that's quarter to that's quarter to eight. So, our our lad should be on the show uh, anytime soon, Andrew McGill. But before he comes on, Lewis. I take it you you watched the cross country champs at the weekend. Oh, uh, of course, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. How, what's your um? Let let well, let's just go 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 on to it just now while uh while Andrew comes into the waiting room. How was uh? Well, what's your kind of course. summary of it? Yeah. Well, yeah. So a real cross country course. I mean, the the mud was uh, was pretty much knee deep in some points by the look of it. It's uh, so a real test of what I call old fashioned stamina, you know, really having to pick your feet up and out of the mud and 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 stick it back in and out again and just keep going. So it was uh, I, I thought it was a really tough and, and challenging course. Um, and of course, the highlight that we'll probably speak about later is uh, Megan's outstanding mm. Uh, win by what a minute and 23 seconds um you know just went from Amazing. literally gun to tape took it took it kind of steadily in the first lap but found she was still going away so just kind of you know hit the throttle moved away and uh apart apart from that little uh that little bit coming up uh, the home straight did you see that where she was high-fiving uh, the the, <laughs> the crowd yeah. and and had had to maneuver rapidly around the billboard <laughs> that, was, right. that was that, that was going to you know catch her, but yeah. Uh, yeah, no fabulous performance and you know given given the second place in in the women's race you know third place in the women's race was the, the UK second placer in the trials that she beat by fifty three seconds. Then you would have to think that Megan could have could have won the the senior race as well um, yeah. against Grovedal, you know, mm, the ultimate yeah. winner there. So, yeah. um, so but be nice, it, you know, what the, the nice thing about this is that under twenties title, under twenty three title, and you know, hopefully if things uh, go to plan, she'll get the senior women's title as well, and that that's. That's a great kind of legacy to have, or and heritage in in the sport to have three titles at various age groups. So that that would be the aim moving forward. And I don't want to hang that round our neck. Um, yeah. you know, but Lewis, and, just and, and, I mean, just how much of a statement win do you think that is on a you know we know super well about our North North athlete, well known. I guess Liverpool was a big deal, really, on that. I know, guess over the last year, that more and more the British stage. But how much does this do, almost like for her as a a known athlete now on that at that level. Well, I think I think it it kind of cements the fact that she's got a huge pedigree uh, and she kind of blew the doors open. And and I think we've, we've chatted before about the fact that you know should she have been on on kind of podium or 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 you know UK funding mm-hmm. of some description. And I, and I know that there were issues around that. And she had a bit of a point to prove at the trials. And and blew everybody away at the trials, and and she's done done the same again uh, yesterday. So yeah, I mean, I, I said last time she's 
potentially a genuine world-class athlete. Um, and, you know, and, it, and it's good to have that as, as a kind of genuine prospect. But, you know, she's, got, she's still got to move up and, you know, and, and perform there. But, you know, she's got a really good coach, Ross Cairns, who's, who, who's, who knows what he's doing. You know, one of the good things, I think, about Megan is that she's a homegrown talent. She's got a lot of support around her in in the team and i have to say i'm I'm a peripheral part of that team you know with edinburgh uni folk but she's got a lot of really good strength and conditioning support physiotherapy support nutritional support if she needs it psychology etc so it's a nice a nice little team there and training well and comfortable in her training so you would want to ensure that you maintain that going forward i think there's, there's a lot of temptation about you know, do you go to various training camps? Do you run with um, your sponsor's team? Do you, you know, what, what, is, what is it you're going to do? Do you do the indoors? Uh, do, 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 you know, what's, what's, what is it th- that you need to plan? So I think I think it's good to keep your feet on the ground and to plan around your home comforts and ensure that the training into next year. Where, I mean, I think the 5K will be what, what should be aiming for in the Olympic trials. So the question is, do wow. you come to 5K through 10K and endurance work, or do you come to it through a bit of speed work, you know, through doing a bit of indoors 3K? I mean, Megan's strength is her aerobic strength, so it'll be interesting to see how, how Ross kind of plans this out over the next two to three months. Brilliant. Right, well, well on to one awesome athlete to another uh, is the GB athlete and uh, silver medalist, silver team medalist, Andrew McGill. Hello, Andrew. Can you hear us? Ah, yep, there you are. We could see you there for a moment. Hey, a bit Andrew. blacked out in the way that in the way that Kyle was blacked out earlier as well. <laughs> uh, Welcome to TRS. So we're, glad, we're glad we can see your face. How y'all doing? Well, um, we're great. It's uh, even better to to see a, a silver medalist on our screen here as well. So, uh, I mean, Andrew, like, firstly, welcome to Tartan Running Shorts, and 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 secondly, congratulations, and and thirdly, tell us uh, how you're feeling right now. I'm buzzing. It was uh, just a, a brilliant weekend away. Um, great learning experience. Um, yeah. Just being able to rub shoulders with some of these guys, um, I think you kind of you realise that the the gap's not as as big um, yeah. as it as it is uh, as it might seem uh, based off times. So yeah, just great overall. Oh, yeah, tell us about I, the course, Andrew. It looked it looked a pretty it looked a pretty kind of strength sapping course quad sapping course up to your knees in mud in some sections so t- tell us tell us how you go through that yeah um when we started uh, i think a flare was actually thrown on uh, so we had to that that was a, that. A, a wee bit extra uh, that i wasn't expecting at the start um <laughs> it started kind of it was quite hilly actually it started up a hill um and then you're just basically either running uphill or running downhill um and I'd say the mud was almost like clay. Uh, it was really sticky, um, but that played that played into Brit's hands, I think. Um, so yeah, 
have you have you always been a strong runner in in that kind of muddy grubby kind of cross country courses not necessarily no um i'd actually say i'm more of a track runner um yeah so it was a bit of a surprise to get um or to do so well at liverpool um a couple of weeks ago um but yeah I, i'm taking it um maybe i'm a cross-country runner huh. well but you did you did even better you did even better though andrew because you were you know you were the sixth you were the sixth brett pick for the team and you finished fourth you know you moved up you beat you beat some of your compatriots in in a in a really tough course so as a track runner and the and the grandson of the great frank clement <laughs> you know a real, real speedster uh, you've clearly got speed in your legs, but you've clearly got a lot of endurance there as well. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think it's something that I've, uh, my granddad's always wanted to hold me back. Um, his big thing was um, I needed to be at an age where I could decide myself whether I wanted to do it. Um, and it wasn't coming from anyone else. Um, yeah. So, yeah, um, maybe maybe a wee bit of a, a kind of later developer in that sense. Um but it's probably helped me because I had a lot of growing to get done first. Um, so what were your expectations then going in then, going into this? I mean, you must have been full of excitement. What were you, what, what was your, what were you hoping to get out of the weekend? Result-wise, experience-wise? Um, I think, obviously, I'd, I'd, I would have loved going in to, to have just got one of those uh, GB guys. So to get two was, was nice. great. Um I think I was looking at around top 20-ish. I think it was 22nd, so I wasn't far off the mark. Um, oh. But, um, yeah, just, just it was really, for me, it, it wasn't really about how I, I knew I'd run okay. I've been quite consistent so far this year. Um, I just I just wanted to go and soak it all up um, because it's not really an opportunity that comes around that often. Yeah. So t- tell us a wee bit about so your preparation. You've got a great coach. You Mike Johnson's your coach, I believe. Yes. And uh, I, I I know Mike. And uh, so you've clearly got uh, a kind of wise head on the shoulders uh, w- with him guiding you. How, th- what what was his input with you in in the last you know few weeks to get you ready for this? Um, I think Mike's more a man of action than a man of words. Um. So yeah. sometimes it'll just be a wee tweak he makes, um, and you don't even notice he's made that tweak. Um, um, but yeah, it, his training works, or it's worked for me. Um, I think a big part of that is um, it kind of leaves you to do your own thing, um, and he's he's not too overbearing. Um, I think me especially, I, I quite like having that uh, a bit of free reign. Um, so yeah, I feel like it works quite well for me. Yeah, it's good. Good to have that support. Eh? Yeah, definitely. And what's so? What's next then? You talked a little bit about you know you're a you're a track guy. Now you're clearly a cross country guy. Yeah. What is it? Yeah. What I mean, of course, we're knee deep in uh, in winter. So what's what what's the the coming months look like for you then? Um, I think it's it's just about not getting ahead of myself. Um, it's really just taking it kind of one race at a time. Um, the reason that I got that vest was consistency. It wasn't doing anything special. Um, yeah. It was just putting together those weeks, um, staying healthy, not not picking up colds, 
Um, so I was, I was just really able to get in a solid block of. Tra- it was nothing overly special, but it was just consistent. Um, so yeah, it, it's just about uh, stringing together more of those weeks. But I think I think you're absolutely right, Andrew. That that the hidden gold mine there is consistency, and most mm-hmm. folk don't understand that. The yeah. you know a lot of us smash out sessions from time to time. We like to go to the well, often uh, yeah. often too frequently. But generally, the guy who's pretty consistent most of the time and gets several weeks to months of training strung together without a mm. break, without injury, without illness, as you're saying, that's that's an absolute key. So I'm I'm glad that was. Uh, I'm glad you've got got that in your mind moving forward. Have you got Have you got you know not a detailed plan, but are you sticking it across country? Are you going to go indoors? Although the indoor season in Scotland's not <laughs> looking that wonderful yeah. right now with the uh, Emirates. But what, what what's the plans there? I think um, I just want to build up a decent base. Um, I've yeah. not really had a kind of uninterrupted big winter before. Um, last year, it was the goal was right. I want to start running 50 miles a week because I was down at 35 before that. Um, and then I think coming indoors in start of the year, January, um, I'd not been in the gym enough. Um, so I picked up a hamstring strain. Um, so part of that, part of it's wanting the aerobic base, part of it's, I think indoors doesn't quite suit me right now. Um, definitely the long okay. strides, not not um, that well suited to the, the tight bends. Um, but yeah, maybe I might uh, touch on indoors next year. You're looking no, at Armagh like, in February at all? Yes, yeah, yeah. Um, I've, I've got my uh, slot for that. So uh, yeah, that's, exactly. that's one in the calendar. Ice, uh-huh. ice. I'd say uh, naturally it'll be a sub fourteen. You'll be you'll be aiming for. So you're not far away. Are you not like what's your PB for for? I think 14? um fourteen thirty two. Um, okay, so I've got a, I've got away. Um, but that was that was in September. So yeah, again, Sorry, I should have. What I meant to say was your mile times like four or two or something. So yeah. So I was getting it mixed up. The the fourteen and the four slightly different, but yeah, you're clearly a. A talent, uh, Andrew. How old are you? If you don't mind me asking, how old are you? Uh, I'm 19. Okay. Uh, 19. Um, okay. Yes. Yeah. And you're you're studying as well, aren't you? Because uh, you know, hence <laughs> yeah. getting you on the show was uh, you, you've taken some time out. You've got an exam on Thursday, I think. Is it? Uh, I've got... got an exam tomorrow morning. Oh, jeez. Um... Oh. All <laughs> oh, right. Well, it's, yeah. uh, no, no, I don't. Well, we better let you go for, then. Uh, how, how it goes, or if it does go well, yeah. then hopefully we've we've relaxed uh, you. And, and chilled you out a wee bit. Uh, so, I mean, b- before you go, Andrew, um, a couple of things we want to ask. We do like fartlek questions, but you know what fartlek is, I'm sure. Michael yeah. Johnson, I'm yeah, no yeah, doubt, yeah. tell you. You can have it as long or as short as you want it to be. Uh, so, what first one I've got is, uh, what what's your favourite shoe? Um, I don't actually really have I, I don't wear carbons um oh interesting but, yeah, yeah. <laughs> i'd say one of the few, <laughs> one of the few who don't that's uh, yeah i get yeah. i get a bit of stick for it um i think i'm gonna have to cave in quite soon um you're too good I, to be carbon andrew that's the that's the key here <laughs> yeah i mean the whole i think the whole thinking is if i'm going for my granddad's times eventually if I run that in a pair of carbon shoes, then he's oh. just going to point at them and say, "I'd have them." <laughs> so yeah, well, um, you, you know, he ran, he ran he ran three thirty four. He ran three thirty four in in ordinary shoes. 
Yeah. And oh. uh, that that would be the equivalent to around 331 in, in yeah. carbon shoes just now. So so yeah. he was, you know, pretty, pretty good physio physiology in, in, in terms of your genetic inheritance there, I would say. <laughs> Although, <laughs> although your mitochondria, the mitochondria in your muscles come from your mother. Did you know my, that? It's my mum's side um, that my granddad's on, so that might be. Oh, there you that go might then. Be, oh, yeah. <laughs> um, right, well, if you don't have a favourite shoe then, what is your favourite session? Um, oh, I like some of the big, massive lactic uh, sessions, like not not one that's really that big in volume but like intense so probably we we used to do one at Livingston um four three hundreds and it would just be you're you're just ramping it as, as hard as you can go um I think every rep's getting slower you're getting probably five or six minutes recovery between um but I loved that session I always felt like that could kick me into a bit of 800 shape nice yeah, well, you don't want to do them too frequently, my lad. No. <laughs> no, no, no. Have you got um, a favourite running or a favourite sporting running hero? Um, aside from my granddad, I'd say, say a lot. Say. I love um, Andy Murray. Uh, ah, just, right. Nice. He's definitely someone that I, I look to. Um, I think he's he's brilliant and probably one of the best Scottish athletes um, yeah. of the century. So if you um, if you weren't a runner, if you weren't in running and you were a runner, what what would you be doing instead? Um, it's hard to say. I've I've, I've always run. Um, I did football till I was fifteen, so um, possibly something like that. Um, I don't know, maybe something random like karate or taekwondo. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Uh, last last one I've yeah. got I would is going to be and this hopefully we'll get a good recent answer from the weekend. What was your post race treat? Um, oh, after Liverpool, we um, me and the boys went and got a Burger King. Oh, um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what burger? Really That's the question though. Yeah. Um, Normally we go down to TB on the way to race. That's that's a kind of slightly posher service station when you're going down to England. You get a slightly better meal there, and then the way up you you go to Gretna Green and get probably it's one of these bacon double uh, whatever. It's, it's it's massive. That's that's probably my post race treat. Nice. Oh, I love it. And the final one for me is uh, if if you've ever done a beer mile, have you heard of a beer mile? Or? Oh, yes, come on, I have. Come on. Yeah. Who hasn't? I have. I've not done one. I've not done one, but I've heard of one. Um, what do you think uh, you could do? If you were oh, to try it? I would. I'd be. I wouldn't finish it. Um, <laughs> I, I've not got the stomach for for that at all. Uh, well, that's good, but, lad. You stay. You stay clear of the alcohol. It's no good for your consistency in your training. Un, unlike these two other guys who are asking these nasty questions of you. Yeah. Stay clear of the alcohol. Stay clear, I say. But, uh, well, we, we hope you don't stay clear of the podcast. And uh, you know, yeah. we we'd love to have you back on uh, after your exams. Uh, you know, you've got your exams out of the way and. Uh, you know, you achieve uh, even more greater things. But I mean, good, first, firstly for me, you know, good luck and for for tomorrow and your exam and, uh, yeah, and, yeah. and and congratulations on a silver medal like in your at your at the European Cross Country Champs. That's uh, what an amazing awesome. achievement. It's brilliant. So yeah, well well done. So we'll be looking out for you uh, from now on, and that's for sure. So. Right, awesome. guys, thanks for having me. All right, dude. Nice one. Thanks, Andrew. Right, right, bye. Bye, bye.
everyone what a lad. I mean, what, yeah. what, what I mean, you're across team medal back for an exam with a Burger King in the middle. I mean, what an absolute, what a, yeah. what a way to be a 19-year-old. What a way oh, to live your life. I, I really hope he does well in his exam. Like, I feel super guilty if he, uh, I've taken yeah, 10 minutes out of his, uh, out of his time and it, I, I'm sure he will. You know, these you, high achievers you know in sport. Yeah. You know what, Kyle, his consistency in his training is probably a marker that he's pretty consistent in his studies as well. Yeah, mm. I, I like it. Unlike like you. It. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. I've, uh, yeah, I, I, I used to be consistent. Um, I've said that a broken record. But, but uh, you know what, Kyle and I, I mean, I think the, I, I, I feel like a broken record because I'm the last few months, but consistency is it's every top athlete we speak to, every top coach we hear from, consistency is key. And yeah. I have never, I always prided myself on someone who would follow a sketch. I would, I would all, I would be consistent. And my, over the last like eight months, consistency, it's, I'm finding it so hard to get. And actually, I think probably more so than ever in the last 10 or so years I've been running, I'm appreciating how important it is because now that I'm not consistent, my, I'm, you know, you, you, you can really feel the difference. So I think uh, it's great to see a guy at that age who not only appreciates it, but it's like also, yeah, championing it as well. Absolutely. Well, from one interviewee to another, we we now have the author of the book that uh, Lewis has read the whole the whole of the book. I don't think he's read the whole <laughs> of the book, but hey, you you <laughs> sent it to me at about half past two this afternoon. Yeah. You bugger. <laughs> exactly. Some of us were some of us are, bring, are working at that time. I mean, so, do you know what? In my in my defence, I think that was already in the the email account weeks ago. So <laughs> the, the guilty party is actually you guys for not reading it. Uh, and, and me having to resend oh, it to you. Right. Look at that. I, I can't get into your bloody account. <laughs> that's, what, that's what happens when dining after. <laughs> we'll get we'll, 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 we'll get you a book for it. We'll send it in the post. So that'll be the how to get into the Google account. But uh, well, like I haven't I haven't actually read the book. Uh, but I think if we hear it from the horse's mouth. What the book's about, uh, who Colin is yeah. first and foremost, and and that might paint the picture as to why he's coming on the show, and uh, and yeah, and and, and you, hopefully you can uh, make your own mind up if it's if it's worthy of uh, spending a couple of quid on on checking the book out. Eh? Maybe, maybe so, a last minute Christmas present. Exactly. There you go. Eh? Uh, FYI, I was, was going to say uh, Kyle and Debbie. Not Debbie. Tommy and Kyle's birthday is coming up in the next few days, uh, but we've already got the PDF, so um, yeah, I don't think. Uh, but anyway, without further ado, here's the author of uh, the the wine runner, Colin Renton. Hey, Colin, can you hear us? Hello. Yes, I can hear you. Can you hear me? Yes. Yeah, yeah, we can hear it. And, and we can see you now as well. We've had a bit of blackout at the start of each of our interviews and it, it leaves us in a wee bit of tenterhooks as to uh, is the blackness going to clear and we see someone or not, but it's certainly cleared and you're here. So. <laughs> we can hear it. I've see. got to say, you, you've probably got the best background, aside from Tommy's one in Oslo when, when it was snowing, that is a cracking background you got there, Colin. Yeah. Uh, that without even going into the actual you know what we're here to chat about tell us about some of those race numbers and and what they signify 
for, for you then? So Yeah, well, this one here is uh, Austria. That was the marathon, the Wachau right. marathon yeah. um, along the side of the Rhine. Uh, that's yeah. uh, the, the longest of my, my 12 runs. Uh, this one is the Kushisi uh, half marathon. This is the Peace half marathon. You know, the, the Peace Marathon being the oldest marathon in Europe. Yeah. They've got a half, yeah. half mm. marathon and a quarter marathon. I did the quarter, actually, not the half. Yeah. I, yeah. Was, I was toiling with an injury at the time. Um, this one was the Portu the one in, I did in Portugal, the Duro half marathon, which uh, it was about 38 degrees that day. So it was uh, <laughs> pretty hot, go hot going. <laughs> uh, this is one in Belgium that I did. It was, uh, it was more of a sort of trail run. Uh, it was tw 12 and a bit K. Uh, this one up here was Budapest, which was a night run, which we ran with uh, uh, headlamps, head torches. Oh, um, nice. pause, pause that one. No, no, I was going to say night run. It was Prague. I did a night run on my birthday. Right. Uh, right. And it was, a, the, I didn't realise it was on. And we, were, we had like, I think we were about 10 mulled wines in. And I was like, hold on, it was my 30th. <laughs> well, let's, let's see if there's an entry. And there was, there was an entry. So I, I took part in it. It was like a 5K night run. Uh, right. But I didn't have a head torch. So I just stuck my mobile phone on top of my head and, and ran with that. Uh, uh, and it worked, worked a treat it did. Uh, yeah, anyway, when, sorry. When, <laughs> yeah, with, with that one, when, when, when you registered for the rate, well, if you actually went to pick up your number uh, and sign in, uh, they gave you the head torch with it. And it oh, was right. actually, uh, there was, there was, Two or three different distances on at the same time. There was a kids' five k, and there was a ten k, and there was a half marathon, and then the one I did was about seven and a half k. I don't know if you know Budapest, but you know the, the castle top of the hill. Yeah. And so it started down at the river and ended up at the castle, and then back round again. But because people were coming round in different races, they made us wear head torches so they could direct you towards the finish, and the half marathon guys had to go round again. Oh, right. okay. um, yeah. So they, they, wear head <laughs> they didn't wear head torches. It's uh, Budapest has got one of the best um, running tracks, I would say, in the world it, because it's not just 400 meters, Lewis. It's what is it? Is it like a mile or something, isn't it? Or two miles? It's uh, the Queen Margaret. It's on the island. Is it? Yeah, it's on the island. Yeah, uh, it's it's an actual running track but it's like it's only like two or three lanes but it goes all the way around one of the, the queen margaret island it's it's amazing uh to run on and, and that it was actually a few days before uh i ran in that track that was my last training session before i got my 10k pb lewis um so so oh, there you right. go maybe okay. it's a goulash that was a while back. <laughs> what was it? <laughs> anyway so i know we've rambled there but it was quite interesting that i like i, I think i'm going to start doing that for uh my uh you know get get the numbers on in my microsoft teams background it'd be a great icebreaker for folk I'd, yeah i i would you, like you, to hear about the sherry though the sherry one oh the, the sherry one the sherry. yeah uh oh yeah that's the one at the bottom here that was a half man it was actually just over a half marathon um started in the well the the town is hereth uh is, mm. is where sherry is is from and uh, we started um in the town, ran out to the, uh, there's, a, there's a, a quite a sort of hilly uh, surrounding area, which is where they grow the grapes. And um, I'd kind of gone there, it was uh, sort of late March, kind of, and they'd had a heat wave already at that point. So I went out there thinking, oh, it's going to be roasting, it's going to be really, you know, it's going to be hot going doing a half marathon. And um, I actually went, I went to do that one with my son. Um, and uh, we arrived in, uh, in Hereth, and uh, 
it was absolutely tipping it down. Uh -huh. uh, so we, we actually had two <laughs> days of rain, two days of rain before the the race, um, and the 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 clay in which they plant the the vines is 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 a specific kind of mud, uh, which is good for growing that type the type of grapes that they use for for making sherry. So it was oh. it was a quagmire, and uh, we were we were climbing at these these hills through this mud, and it was oh gosh, it was, it was, mm -hmm. it was pretty hard going, and there was puddles all over the route and everything, and all that. so so much for the heat wave. Oh, um, but uh, it was uh, there was a, a there was a marathon and a half marathon that day. So as I say, we did the the half marathon, and um, there was a bit uh, towards the end where you actually run through uh the this winery so um we we came down off the hills back in towards the town and uh you're kind of directed down towards this building and i thought where are we, where are we going here <laughs> the doors were open at one end and, you, and it was just dark and barrels on both sides and wow. uh, you're going through that it's almost like running through a tunnel and you could see oh. the sun at the far <laughs> at the far end and we came yeah. back out again. and just as we came out there's a table covered in glasses of sherry which you could uh, at, at that point i have to say that would have just killed me off because i was already i was already <laughs> toiling so, but there, were some people, there were some people standing there drinking sherry and it, we still had about i don't know 5k to go or something at that point oh so i mean so which, that's, <clears throat> that's one of the key bits to your book though isn't it so there's a couple of things i want to say the the sherry the sherry there was certainly better than uh, your granny's sherry is that right? Yeah, <laughs> I, I saw that yeah. bit in your book. Yeah, yeah I mean that, I think that's uh, I I'm sure I'm not alone in having experienced that. You know how your your granny gets out and sort of blows off the cobwebs every new yeah. year and, and pours a wee glass and passes it round and then puts it back in the cupboard again, yeah. um, <laughs> not realizing that I mean it's effectively it's a it's a bottle of wine. So you know, if you open yeah. a bottle of red, red tonight, and uh, you were expecting to, to to drink it at the same time next year, that's effectively awful. what your granny's doing with uh, you know with, yeah. with the sherry. Oh, um, so yes, I mean, it's a, it was an interest. It was it, that was an interesting educational experience because it was uh, sherry is just something I really didn't know much about, and uh, hmm. that was, uh, I was like, that was a good one. Yeah. So so, so Colin. So I was just gonna. Are you gonna segue that, Lewis? Yeah, well, I was. Well, I was gonna say something about the fact that in 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 your book, um, a lot of what you're doing is actually drinking on the run. We, we were speaking with our last guest about a beer mile, but you're doing a, you're doing wine miles or wine kilometers, <laughs> and actually partaking of wine in every bloody run that you do. Is that right? Not everyone. No. Uh, some some of them. Uh, it was just the conditions were such that I, I just couldn't, I couldn't, <laughs> I couldn't possibly do that and expect <laughs> to run. So, uh, but there were some. I mean, the, the first one I did was in uh, in Switzerland, and uh, it was more a a hike than a run, I suppose. People, there was a lot of hikers were out for the day, um, and I, I I ran certain bits of it, but um, the uh, you arrived at the what were the feeding stations and they literally were feeding stations where you you stopped and you got um, a glass of white, a glass of red and something to eat. Uh, and so there, there were actually four stages, it was a half marathon, but there was, uh, we had four stops for, for food and wine on the way around and then another one at the finish. Um, 
but there were others. I mean, the, the marathon that I did, I, there was just no, actually completing the marathon was a big enough challenge in itself without making it harder yeah. by drinking mm -hmm. wine along the way. That's well, the cheese, the cheese raclette, the cheese raclette wouldn't have been uh, very good for carb uh, boosting on your run. That's for sure. <laughs> well, <laughs> I, the thing is, when we stopped, we stopped it for for that for that uh, for the raclette, and um, it was sunny. It was actually it was a nice sunny day, and you're sitting there, and there's, there's, you've got this plate of cheese in front of you and glass of red, and you think, ah, oh, this is actually quite nice, but I've I've still got. 8k to go here. <laughs> 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 uh, you, have, you have to uh, sort of uh, avoid the temptation to just sit there for too long. And, uh, and yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, I've only ever so, run a race that involved wine once. I lived down in the in the southwest of France near Pouf, uh about uh, over a decade ago, and there was a uh, there was a a race which involved, and it was it was a kind of it was set up. I went along thinking this is a, a race. I'm going to try and run my fastest. And I got there and discovered that there was Janson across the throughout the race, and I and who was sponsoring it, and I and I kind of then realised it's it it has a very different, it's it's a very different type of of event, you know it's much mm. more. I actually found it was a very inclusive, very sociable. I mean the, the, these races that you're doing, do you what how to listeners who maybe not gone along to uh, or not thought even thought about doing these sort of events what would you how would you describe them what, what what's your sort of experience of them I, I think it means that um you know I, i've reached an age where results are you know I, I was never going to achieve podium finish or even a pb at, at, the, at this point in my life so it was more um the experience than anything else and there were lots of people there that were uh you know that you could tell it was just out for a laugh um mm. At the same time, there were people that were taking it seriously. So the, the one I did in France was in Alsace, and um, there was a you know there was a there was a pretty serious side to that alongside the sort of having a laugh. Yeah. But, um, although in that one, um, the winners received their weight in wine. That was that was the oh. prize. Yes. So. Um, so what, what the, the, and the way they actually did it was it was this big drama that uh, the the winners were up on on this stage, and they'd created uh, well it was like a, a massive sort of set of scales, and it had a chair at one end and a wooden box at the other, and they just kept putting one bottle into the box until <laughs> until the, the, wow. the sixty liters. It was it was actually slightly more than that, yeah. Oh boy. <laughs> yes. Wow. Is it your and, weight? And, and, yeah. Until they found they sort of found found the balance and that's uh, and then oh. the the winners walked off with I think it was about it's about seventy five bottles or something like that that uh, wow. the, the guy got. And, what, so, what I like about your book, Colin. Yeah, what I liked about your book, Colin, was uh, every, every chapter you you've got a bit of a song title to it. And and it, it hit the nail on the head for me because it was my era. It was ELO, Super Tramp, Dire Straits, Blondie. <laughs> yeah. uh, you, you, you know that 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 brought it all back for me. Yeah. So so your chapters with with each, you know, with a with a, a themed kind of tune to it. But yeah. you were also really quite, you know, we're looking at kind of the ethics of carbon footprint, ethical winemaking, you know, your travel. You know, tell tell us a bit about you know about about that element of it. 
Yeah, I, I was I was conscious. I mean, well, first of all, it was it, it was kind of happening just as the world was opening up again after COVID. So, I mean, even within the, the time that I was doing that, there were I had one or two sort of travel issues, but I was very conscious of the the fact that um, it, it was it was me ticking off my bucket list. And I thought if someone reads this, they're going to go, this guy, look at this guy, you know, his, his carbon footprint is, is huge. Uh, and he's just been having a bit of a laugh. And uh, I mean, all of that was true, but uh, I, I felt kind of obliged to um, try and avoid uh, flying into places if I could avoid doing that. Um, and that, that was a kind of a double edged thing because traveling by a bus through Slovenia, I saw bits of the country that I wouldn't have otherwise seen, uh, likewise catching trains and things. And um, some of the hotels that I stayed in were uh, quite interesting because of their, their sort of ethical approach. So the one in uh, Slovakia um, had a fountain in the garden, which they used to sort of water all the plants in the garden. They had um, you had to use a, a card when you came in to switch the lights on, and the lights stayed on for about ten seconds. So you had to kind of run along the corridor before it went off again. And it was all that was all very um, I, that was quite important to me to be, to be able to do that in a way that uh, I, I thought um, was my small contribution or the small price that I had to pay for uh, for the benefits that I was getting from it. What, what was the most memorable type of travel that, that you had then? Did you, there wasn't any horse-drawn carts or anything, was there? Or? No, no, it, it was. The, the one in um, in Slovenia, um, the, the race there was in November. Um, the, the, I was in, was in a town called Izola, which is the bus trip from um, Ljubljana, uh, which is the, the capital. It, it was a, it's yeah. about a couple of hours from there. It's not a huge country anyway, but... Uh, we got so we got this bus down, and um, it was the kind of it was a big boost for, uh, from tourism for the town for a sort of average weekend in November. But coming back because it was out of season, the bus timetable had changed. So uh, <laughs> I, got, I got up on the I got up on the Sunday, and I, I was trying I was trying to check online what time I could get a bus back, and I had to get the bus from Isola to another town which was a kind of hub just along the road and then from there catch another bus um, to Ljubljana and so I left the the hotel about nine in the morning got the bus the first bus which was like a, a 15 20 minute bus trip and uh, I got there and it was about seven hours till the, till the bus uh, <laughs> left from there to go to, for the second leg of the of the trip so I spent a whole day just kind of Hanging around this bus station, drinking coffee and uh, <laughs> trying try to avoid, uh, you know, just sitting in the sun for too long. Um, so by the time the bus came, it was, uh, as I say, obviously it runs less frequently in, in the in the winter than it does in the summer. So it was full of um, students and other people, uh, obviously that worked in Ljubljana that were heading back for their uh, to start work on the Monday. We went this circuitous route through all these villages in the the hills and everything, um, and p the people that were getting onto the bus as we got closer to Ljubljana were it was like students had been home and their, their mum and dad had given them a 
a food box for the you know to get them through the next week. So we had had this. There was this girl came on and sat down next to me, and she had this wooden box, and it had like leeks and carrots and all that kind of stuff in, in it. And, <laughs> and and we went through uh, these wee villages in the in the sort of the hinterland of uh, Slovenia. And some of them just kind of thought, mm, let's just hope the bus doesn't break down here, because <laughs> um, <laughs> I was. <laughs> Mm, I, I, uh, some of the, some of it was uh, Slovenia is a very uh, sort of up and coming, developing sort of country, but obviously that's still not reached out the whole uh, all of the parts of the country at the moment. Mm. So you, you were out, you were out in the sticks about there. <laughs> I tell you what, one of the things that I kind of looked at uh, was, was your marathon chapter, and uh, so I, I think I think you probably summed up what um, what many marathon runners think once they finish their race you, you did 40,000 steps mm-hmm. and you said if you if you'd managed to take two centimeters more for each step you'd have broken your your sub four hour target and, yeah. and that's I think that's a sentiment that that many marathon runners probably share that's number one <laughs> number two though was hey Colin you, you, you ran a pretty decent second half you were only two minutes slower than the first half so, so you paced it, you know, pretty well. It was a pretty decent positive split by two minutes. I mean, I mean, I don't think Kyle's ever managed that. Have you, Kyle? <laughs> <laughs> I, I was almost a negative split in London. I got my PB, but it was the last mile. I lost my two minutes right there. Uh, should have so, uh, uh, right. eh? Yeah. The thing but, I think that for me, I, I really didn't know what to expect. So, you, I mean, again, I'm sure like everybody who's running their first marathon. You just think. So when I go around this corner, I'm gonna. Am I gonna hit the wall, or is it gonna be like 25 miles and I suddenly can't go on anymore? So <laughs> when you're feeling good, it's the dilemma is: do you push on because you're feeling good and then potentially pay the price a couple of miles down the road, or do you think you know this is the pace that I should be running at, so therefore I'll just you know run within myself. And then you get to the end and think, actually, I could have pushed on a wee bit there. You know, I could have, I could have gone slightly quicker. But yeah, that's, that, um, that's yeah. that's the story we all tell ourselves, isn't yeah. it? After, after every race, well, yeah. like I could have gone just a wee bit quicker. Yeah. yeah. But now, now, Colin, we should, we always do this uh, the the wrong way round because we we go into these little battles before we even introduce ourselves. Now. We, we uh, from now I'm sure the listeners understand that you've you, you know you're you're an author of the wine runner but tell us a bit about you you know like what's what's uh what's caught aside from these adventures what's your story and how did you get into running and uh yeah yeah what's that look like for yeah. you well I'm from the borders um so I started running when I was about sort of 13 14 um ran for Galaharriers for few years and then yep. went off to study nice. and work and all that kind of thing and I kind of drifted out of, of uh, the, the sport and then uh, when, when were you um when were you at Galaharias? oh is, that'd be is that the year in the year in Jordan either no he's younger than I nope. am I think <laughs> um yeah uh, it'd be at that time Gala was a club of about probably 20 members or something it'd just been resurrected okay. it was it had been uh, defunct for best part of 50 years, I believe. And, oh, right. okay. um, and it was, I just restarted at that point. And it was, yeah. 
it's obviously now thriving. So I did that and kind of yeah. drifted away. Um, and then I came to work in Edinburgh and I was working with a guy who uh, was in a, a squad. He trained with Dave Campbell, who is quite a, oh, a yeah. well-known uh, coach yeah. in Edinburgh. And uh, he, he sort of said to me, you should come along. You should come and, come and train with our group. So I, I went to train with them. And we did the, you know, the Highland Games circuit, the Border Games circuit, and all that kind of stuff. Nice. And then uh, kids came along, got married. Kids came along. My job got in the way. I was travelling for work and just drifted <laughs> out of it again. Yeah. Um, yeah. And while while I was training in Dave Campbell's group, I had done a half marathon. Um, did the it was the, the Falkirk half marathon in about 1984 85 something like that there was a, a series on at that point the Pearl Assurance series which was all over the UK and uh, it, there was one in Falkirk and I did that uh, I did a uh, 115 uh, at that point I kind of if I go on now and do a, yeah a marathon I'd, I would expect to be sub three or, or close to that and I just, yeah. uh, nice. I couldn't get the training in. Um, I yeah. was injured, I picked up injuries and all that kind of stuff. Didn't do that. So that kind of marathon thing has been sort of nagging away ever since. Mm. Yeah. Um, so I was, uh, I was coming up to, to six, I was coming up towards my 60th birthday. And I thought that's, that's maybe the nudge that I need. Um, use that as the, the reason to, to actually enter a marathon, do a marathon. And um, I realised that the the whole the the prospect of having a, like a decent time is it's long gone. So it was just a case of <laughs> achieving it uh, now. And I'd looked at um, the Bordeaux Marathon, which is the one that it run it goes through vineyards and it's mm. uh, you you kind of uh, you stop and have food and wine and all that kind of stuff on the way around. And when I started to to sort of research it, I realised that. There's another one in um, Moldova, which actually is an underground 10K that goes through wine cellars. Oh, nice. Uh, and then I found another one, which was in Germany, which goes through the, the winemaking uh, region. And I thought, oh, there's actually, there's quite a few of these things. So when I started to look at it in a bit more detail, I realised that it was, these things are common in France and Spain and Italy and all the kind of traditional winemaking areas. Um, so then I started to think about, um, I wonder if I could do 12 of these things, maybe one a month for a year. And yeah. I managed to find 12 different countries where I could do, they weren't all wine runs as such, but they were all wine related in some way. Yeah. Um, or they were in a town that was uh, in, within a winemaking area. And then I thought, well, if I go to 12 different countries, one a month, and I do a wee wine tasting while I'm there <laughs> and uh, find a local wine and bring it back. At the end of the year, I will have achieved my 12 runs, hopefully done my marathon, and I'll have a case of wine. So then I thought, actually, that instead of just boring people with it by talking about it when I come back, I could write it down in the book. And uh, that was another ambition that I'd had. Um, I worked as a writer. When I was, and that was my that was my job, uh, in a, in a corporate job. So uh, I've always wanted to write a book as well. So the book and the marathon were the two sort of main things, and then the wine thing was just kind of what, what brought it all together. 
It's amazing. I think, yeah, absolutely. And, and one of the things that comes through in your book was well, a number of things that comes through. You know, there's the running, there's the wine. You're clearly a bit of a wine connoisseur. I was really, I was really disappointed you didn't have my kind of Chateauneuf de Pape uh, as, as one of your kind of. But, but anyway, let, let, let that bit go. But but the writing in the book, you bring there's lots of characters in it. You really bring them alive. There's a lot of quirkiness uh, and uh, a lot of things that you think are going to happen. And then there's a bit of a left turn um, and you keep things engaged. You give a history of each of the areas that, that you're in. There's really you've, you've put an awful lot of things together. It's not just about running and wine. You've put an awful lot of things together in your book that make it a you know, really good read. It's really very engaging. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I, it really it really caught me. And it wasn't it wasn't just ELO and Supertramp. It was it was all <laughs> the other stuff as well. <laughs> Good, thank you for that. I'm glad you I'm glad you thought that. I love that. I do well, love. I do love the tagline: the, "My year of hard yards and vineyards," and that's very. Uh, that is. I really <laughs> like that. But I guess my question is, and I'm. This is a. a I'm, it's now. Which is your favorite? Because I'm looking at. I'm looking at your numbers behind them, and I'm. I've got. You know, not. I guess the favorite is. The, weight it as you wish. The combination of run experience and and the the bottle that's now in your in your case. Yeah. Um, there probably a few a few different ones. Um, the uh, the marathon was obviously that was the, that's kind of what what kicked the whole thing off. So that that was an an important run. Um, the one in Slovenia was that was the first kind of hard run that I had, and um, it was an area I didn't really know particularly well. And I'd seen the the profile on the on the race website, and it had this huge sort of peak in the middle of it and I thought, mm, that looks a bit <laughs> and when I when I arrived in the town I arrived in town the day before the, the race and I, I kind of walked around part of the, the route and I and I was going the wrong way. So I was actually going down that hill. And I kind of turned around <laughs> and had a look and I thought ah, yeah this is this is going to be kind of hard going. And when I was I was I, I, I was the hotel I was staying in was just a kind of it's a couple of miles up the road, so I kind of jogged down as my warm up, and I was just jogging through the the streets, and I came up there was a couple of guys, and they looked like they were sort of serious heavyweight runner, you know, they were pretty hard looking guys, and um, so the, the race started, and um, we were running. Eventually, we got to the top of this hill, and then it was a sharp downhill, and as we were heading down the hill these two guys that I'd seen warming up were walking up the hill the opposite way. And I thought, ah, is it really that hard that they're gonna, that I'm going to have to walk up or crawl up? Um, it turned out that they were actually doing, a, there was a, a slightly longer race and they were doing that one. So uh. I didn't have to climb that. But there was a bit, um, I, the, in that race, uh, that, was the, that was the one where, although it was the second race in, in my schedule, it was the one where I, I felt I had performed best uh, overall um, and uh, I sort of finished fairly, fairly far up the field or further up the field than I'd expected to. It was sort of top 40, um, which was, I, I, was, nice. I, was, I was quite, ch- quite chuffed yeah. with that. Um, and then Sort of moving on from there, uh, the others they kind of varied in, in in terms of how serious people were taking them. The one I did in Italy, um, in Italy to to race in Italy, uh, you have to get a medical. You have to actually have a a, like a proper full medical um, 
before they'll allow you to race. So that race was defined as a fun event um, so that they, they, they could sort of circumvent that requirement to have the, um, the medical. So it was a bit less serious, um, but there was, uh, it was quite, the, the weather uh, for that one was quite poor. It was kind of sleety stuff uh, the night before. And um, we were sort of slithering through the mud as we, as we, we came down off this hill. And we were coming down a hill and I could just see like a pile of bodies uh, at the bottom of the hill. And just a, a heap of bodies. Nobody was actually lying on the ground. And I just I just thought something had happened. They were coming down. And the reason there was all these bodies had gathered together was there was a guy, a Prosecco maker, was handing out samples to everybody <laughs> as, as, they, as they came off the hill. <laughs> and, uh, and from there, we, we actually ran through a, a, a cow shed. So uh, in in the at one end, and there was cows on both sides, and we were sort of running through the middle, just making sure he didn't get too close to the cows, <laughs> just in case. Um, so so that but that one, those two things were were the kind of extremes. So Slovenia was was quite serious and quite hard. Uh, Italy was hard, but uh, it was a bit less serious. Um, but there was something good about all of them. Um, I, I did a couple of park runs. Um, because I was trying to do the schedule of um, one a month, having park runs meant I could slot them in if there was a gap in the, the mm. schedule. So, for example, there, was, there wasn't much going on in January, so I, I did a park run at Denby's Vineyard uh, in Dorking, um, ah. which actually goes, it go, it goes through the vines, um, and Denby's is a, it's quite a big winemaker uh, in England. And uh, I, so I was able to just use that to fill a, a gap in the schedule. And I, I did a park run in Germany as well, which is in a town that's famous for making um, sparkling wine, German sparkling wine. It's got the oldest sec maker in um, in Germany. So I used them, um, and then the the others, like Belgium, was a bit of an outlier. Really, I didn't really know what to expect um, either from the race or Quite from dear. the wine. As you say, from the shoot. wine, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, in restaurants in Belgium, the wine list is often just white or red. <laughs> and the, <laughs> yeah. and, and the, the beer list is several pages. Yeah. Um, but uh, I managed to find a, a winemaker who was in the town where the, the, the race was. And uh, she was uh, she was just a force of nature. She was great fun. And um, as I, I, I went there with... Uh, one of my mates, and uh, we had a great wine tasting on the, the Friday, and then the race was on the Sunday. And uh, it was, as I said earlier, it was a bit of a, it was more like a trail run along the side of uh, a river, uh, the river, um, Le the Less, which is where the, the race takes its name from. Um, so that was uh, that was a good that was a, a, a good race um, and a good test. But then, like Budapest was a a city centre, nighttime, um, hard route. So that that was uh, that was uh, very enjoyable as well. But really, really quite hard, quite hard run. Um, What's the, your? Sorry, what, what were you going to say, Colin? I was going to say this: the the sort of the the least enjoyable was the one in Portugal, um, where I'd had an injury and I hadn't really trained properly, and I got there, um, and. With that one, when you entered, um, you're uh, 
the race number um, has got a, a train time. It's got a train booking on it. So my time was 8.02. So I was to catch the, the train from the town to the start at 8.02. So I had a, a place booked on, on that train. And um, okay. I, I arrived at the station a wee bit early and the guy just waved me on and said, I just, just go. So I was actually at the start way too early. <laughs> and it was it was already about thirty degrees at uh, at that point. It was just it was it got hotter and hotter, and um, it was just uh, it was just uncomfortable all the way. Mm. And what they had done there was they had um, they they'd added in extra water stations. So there was one every every two kilometres. There was a they were handing out bottles of water, and they brought in the local uh, fire brigade with their hoses to hose you down. <laughs> uh, as, as you went as you went past so the first one it was just a kind of is a sort of gentle sprinkle in the air and you ran through it was just like a, a light shower and uh, the second one um the guy was actually standing on on the roof of the 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 fire engine sort of hosing people as they went. <laughs> so it was a, and then the final one was just with about a mile to go at which point i was i was struggling to make to actually make forward progress anyway at that point. And the guy just sort of aimed it at me and just battered me. And I thought, <laughs> I actually thought I was going to end up going back up the hill instead of uh, actually making progress towards the finish. Oh, that's brilliant. But, uh, brilliant. but overall, that was a, that was a really uncomfortable uh, morning, that one, uh, for, for various reasons. It's, um, it sounds like, it sounds like you've got so many adventures and, uh, I mean, you know, I've I've had a quick scan of the book and I'm looking forward to reading it during the festive season if I can. Um when the yeah. kids go to bed and um <laughs> obviously Lewis has started to, to read, you know, you've had a good good look out over it. Um I've, I've devoured it, Kyle. I've devoured it. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, so like what a couple of questions for for me is like um, you know, what as a wine drinker myself, what's your what's your favourite wine? That you've experienced, and because I'm sure you you dabbled in many a many a wine uh, there. So what's your what's the one that you'd recommend? Uh, yeah, the, the what? The, the, I think the the one with the most interesting backstory was uh, Hungary, the Hungarian wine. Um, so I found I found this um, wine cellar place that did wine tastings, um, and it was a guy who he'd lived in America for a bit, and he'd come back and he'd set up a business working with small Hungarian wine producers. So he, he gets their uh, produce and, and promotes it and sells it to uh, various hotels and restaurants and things across. And I was there, it was actually the Hungarian Grand Oops, we're having a wee bit of a connection problem, guys. And are you with, are you still me, with me? us, Colin? I am. Well, yeah, we can hear. Yeah. We can, yeah. Well, there, there you yeah. go. That's better. Yeah. So uh, we went into this um, cellar, and it's great. Uh, they do sort of like the, the wine tasting, but he. Uh, and he, he knew all about the history, the history of Hungarian wine. And the story behind it really is that Hungary had a, a very strong historical winemaking tradition. But when it became a communist country, they went from quality to just quantity. So they were just 
pumping out this stuff that was uh, poor quality, um, but gallons and gallons of it. Um, and then over the past few, well, when when communism ended and, and these vineyards went into private ownership, um, some of them have started to replant the, the old traditional uh, Hungarian grapes. So that's actually on an upward trajectory at the moment. Um, they're going back to producing good wine from these uh, traditional grape varieties. So it's, I think it, it's the, uh, there's a limited amount of Hungarian wine that you can get in this country at the moment. But I think over the next few years, we might find that um, that's, uh, that becomes a bigger uh, proportion of the amount of wine that, that we drink oh. in the UK. Uh, I, I do like my time in Budapest. It was certainly an enjoyable one. And uh, so if it's not coming anytime soon, then certainly we'll, I'll, I'll be ma- hopefully be making a trip over there as well. <laughs> uh, it's a beautiful, beautiful city, Budapest, and certainly yeah, the surrounding yeah. areas too. Um, so uh, yeah. Colin, the other- before you, before you go, do you, are you part of Edinburgh AC, by the way? You know, no. I, I don't know why no. I thought that, but apologies. I said son, that in the, the introduction, son, so my have to take that out of there. <laughs> What's that, sorry? My son's a member. Uh, ah, maybe that's what it ran, is. Ran for, and uh, his uh, his wife as well. It's a, she's a pretty good runner, but they're, they're, they're triathletes. Right, okay. Okay. But they both run for Edinburgh AC in the in the past. Ah, that's maybe what it is in the, the affiliation. Yeah. So yeah. Huh. yeah. Uh well Colin, before before you go, there's um we we, we had uh, we've got a series of fartlet questions. You can I'm sure you're familiar with the term fartlet uh, in, in yes. your, your your days of maybe not marathon training, but certainly <laughs> you know when you're doing the, the quicker stuff. Um yeah. so well, I'll start off with the first one. What's uh, what's your favourite shoe? Well, the the shoes that I used were actually um, the what are they called the there's um, gosh, uh, True Motion, True Motion. So I actually bought these because they were useful for dealing with the um, the Achilles issue that I'd had. So when uh, when I was going to buy a, a pair that I could run a marathon in. Uh, I went on the treadmill and, you know, the, I was filmed and all that kind of stuff. And because of the way I put my foot down, these were the, the most appropriate. And I have to say they've been, a, I've actually just replaced them uh, because they were uh, they were good. And I managed to get get me around a marathon without uh, too much trouble, injury-wise yeah. anyway. Plenty of other problems, but the, the injury was okay. <laughs> Tommy? Oh yeah, I'm mute. Oh, yeah, mute. Sorry, I'm mute myself. Sorry, I beg your pardon. Where is your favorite favorite place to run? The the one I enjoyed a lot uh, in this series that I did here was in was in France. Um, I've I've I'm a bit of a francophile, really. I go to France quite a lot, and uh, I'd never been to eastern France, to Alsace, and it was our it was a good route. It was um, a combination of uh, roads, fields through vines and the parkland um, good crowds at the side of the road um, good sort of atmosphere um, nice. so uh, so that was of of the um, of the runs that I did that was probably my favorite nice and lastly Colin the um, in, in terms of the the, the the various 
singers, songs, tunes, pop groups in, in each of your chapters. Which, yeah. which, which is which is the one that that really resonates with you? Which one stands out? Which? Well, the the ELO one. The reason I chose that was um, because I used. Um, if I'm, I've got a kind of circuit round about my house here where I. Uh, sort of four miles or whatever um, I've got a kind of half mile warm up so I get from here to the um, to the end of my the road and then if I put on ELO actually the beat of that song Mr Blue Sky actually oh, yeah. so actually is a, it's, a, it's a good uh, beat to get you going or to get me going anyway I don't know you might, mm-hmm. you might disagree but um, so uh, that was the reason for, for for me having that on my list was that was the one that kind of got me going. Yeah, you never go wrong with the yellow, never. <laughs> uh, I think the well, final one we've for truly, me is we've got oh, to wrap Tommy. with the with a, a wine mile prediction, Carl. Surely, oh, it has to be. Yeah, what would you have you ever? Well, a, I mean, have you might have done a wine mile since your no season uh, <laughs> yeah. running an alcohol drinker? <laughs> yeah. Oh, what? What no, would, so I, I, the beer, the beer mile, the classic beer mile of which the, I think the world record is what is it? Well, the Scottish record is certainly five twenty, so it's not messing around. Which involves yeah. four, uh, four, three hundred thirty mil is the is the is the standard, but a beer per lap essentially of the track, so a mile with with four beers. So with a yeah. wine, I would say a sort of let's say a standard glass of wine per lap, so four laps, four glasses of wine. Where well, that's that would be the. I mean, have you done one? I'm guessing <laughs> not. And if you were two, what would your? I mean, yeah, what? It's not so fizzy, so I'm not sure it would be as be as easy, derailing as a beer mile. Let's yeah. have a bottle, bottle per mile, bottle per <laughs> lap. <laughs> well, uh, so are you asking me for how long would it? Take? Oh yeah, they, yeah. What, what do you think? Yeah, well, sorry, I mean, we didn't yeah. give you the question, did we? Yeah. So how <laughs> yeah. how fast do you think you could run? A wine mile, and we we say this with with a slight jest, but we do carry a a Top Gear style um, beer mile yeah. board that ranges from five twenty to about thirty minutes. So, what's more adapted to wine for you? It wouldn't be either of those ends. I don't think it wouldn't be five twenty, and it's uh, hopefully it wouldn't be thirty minutes either. <laughs> but um, yeah, I, I mean, I, I suppose I did a couple of them uh, actually during the, the races that I, I, was, I was doing. So. Um, nine minutes or something maybe nice that's all right that's it respectable yeah to put that into context kyle and i who have i mean to be fair kyle will clearly in a minute tell you his his beer mile pb from donkeys ago yeah there we go of course it was coming but kyle and i both were slower than that with a beer mile uh was it two three years three years ago now kyle so it's uh Uh, anyway nine minutes minutes. it's on it's on the board that very good good. i think that um if you were going to do a beer mile uh I'm not sure Belgium's the place to do it because um, oh. some of the some of these uh, we, uh, we were we were going into bars and things after the race I should say, and uh, the, the beer lists are huge, but some of them are like twelve percent. Oh yeah, AD, oh, AD. No. Uh, yeah, they're double brewed, aren't they? Yeah, but, <laughs> yeah. Uh, are, yeah, heavy. So heavy these these guys, you know, these guys came into this bar one day, they sat down at the next table and they were drinking beers that were. As strong as the wine that uh, oh. <laughs> that we were drinking. Oh no, no, so, can do that. So, uh, yeah, and it was in the town I was in. Um, it's where Leff comes from. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. And 
Leff was one of the weaker ones on the on the, the beer lists. Mm. Which wow, I that's think, telling. I think, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, well, Colin, it's been fantastic getting you on the show, and um, the people like you know, based on what I've read, you know, very briefly, and Lewis has, and it seems quite a chilled out book and an inspiring book if you want to go on adventures and, you know, you like a bit of wine as well, and which, uh, you know, is, is I'm sure many listeners would, would relate to. Um, what's, how do you find it? Like, you know, what's the best place to find the book and to purchase the book? Yeah, um, it's in uh, Waterston's uh, Toppings. Uh, it's on Amazon. Um, and if you have trouble, then uh, the publisher is Polaris Publishing. Um, yeah. So they can uh, they, they would direct you to uh, a shop. But um, it's in it's in most most good bookshops and uh, independent shops. Well, if they don't have it, we'd, we'd certainly order it for you. Brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. That's uh, well, Colin. Thank you so much for coming on the show. And uh, thank you. It's, it's, it's slightly it's slightly different for us because we usually have like you know a a winner of a national title so it's nice to have that mix sorry and, to disappoint and... you no, no not no, at all I actually think you're going to play to the you're going to play you know play play to the majority of our listenership but we're looking forward to the sequel anyway we'll have we'll have for a few years time to see what you do next I tell you what why don't we do a beer one you should do a beer one next time go that would be yeah. great we'd love to hear that uh, and we'll certainly be part of that I'll, I'll listen oh, no he's, he, Colin's more he's more erudite than that come on <laughs> you <laughs> Brilliant. Right, great, great to have Thank you, you Colin. Yeah. Thank, Thank you. you. Okay. Cheers now. Bye. 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 Well, there well, you go. Just, for... just really, yeah. Really disappointed. My shot and if the pump was not on his list, but uh, there you go. <laughs> what, Lewis? What is that? Your favourite wine? Is it? Uh, well, it was many years ago when I used to drink a wee bit of wine, Kyle. Yeah. And then yeah, go to France. Ago, yeah. 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 Nice. Tom, used to go to France with the kids. What's your wine tipple? Do you know I I uh, I do enjoy uh, the sort of Bordeaux wines, not not so the reds, not so far from Chateauneuf de Pape. There's a, uh, a vineyard down that way. Uh, the, well, it's not a vineyard, it's a, a, a region of the of Bordeaux, and that was it Reeve Reeve de Lat, the um, uh, Blaise, where we 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 enjoy a lot of that when we're when we're living in Paris. So it's cool. Very good. Yeah. Very good. Now it's um there's the Medoc the Medoc Marathon that's uh, the one isn't it he, he so was, I was surprised he, yeah that because that is a that's such a classic wine drinking marathon so yeah but I, I mean great to hear from Colin I I, I always love when people combine their you know two loves of their life in terms of hobbies <laughs> that's that's very cool that's what it's about eh? absolutely oh, well uh, well talking going from from uh, you know wine drinking and running to back to the dubs again uh, let's just round off with the you know, to summarise the cross-country champs again, the European cross-country champs uh, at the weekend. Is there anything else that we want to to report on, uh, to to expand on, you know, based on that? Tommy, you got anything to say about it? You watch I it? mean, I think, I mean, Lewis hit the nail on the head there. I mean, Megan just, I mean, you know, I think with Megan is every time I watch Megan, either you know or see a result from her it seems to be better than the one before you know she's it's just strikes me that she's just uh yeah just maturing and evolving as an athlete and what a talent and just even just the way she carries herself it's one of the things i think what makes so many of us just 
be so happy for Megan. She just seems to be so. She just loves her running, and that's it's fantastic to see that. So yeah, um, yeah, it was uh, it was cool, and yeah. great to have Andrew on. We didn't really cover much after after the interview. We jumped to the next one, but really cool to see another Scott, another lad who just seems to love his running. You know, that's it's infectious actually. And and I think you know going from that as well, like some of the performances from the GB team just generally were. I think it's the best if they've, they've performed in the last. Yeah, ever. I think it's, but it's a record. Uh, you know, there's medals in almost every event. Uh, okay, it's the European Championships, and but it's still, you know, it's a major event. So can't take anything yeah. away away from that as yeah. well. So we'd we'd want we'd want uh, Kyle though, to mention, you know, Eloise Walker. Eloise, I think, was fifteenth in uh, the under twenty three race and backed up. Megan in in the team gold. Um, Lynn McKenna was there as well. She 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 yeah. ran very well. Um, and then we had Angus McMillan in the the seniors race, um, who also, you know, ran better than his his uh, Liverpool performance in the sense that that he was further up the UK team than he yeah. would otherwise have been. So so you you know, I I think that's a lot of good kind of performances from Scots and it just it just shows it again how as a country we punch above our weight yeah uh, when it certainly when it comes to endurance yeah absolutely I couldn't couldn't agree more and um I I thoroughly enjoyed I jumped on the treadmill to watch the the highlights and uh it was an hour of 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 a steady run and an hour of celebration uh, and inspiring me to get my finger out that was that's for sure uh, so, but I mean, going from that to the week before we had Valencia Marathon, uh, there was some amazing performances by by Scots as well. And they were indeed. You know, Lewis, you had some uh, some, you know, you had Dougie Selman taking part. Um, so yeah, just talk us talk us through some of the results and your you know your. Well, your I'm not sure highlight. I can talk beyond beyond Dougie because Dougie, Dougie was the athlete I was coaching. Oh, uh, well, that. yeah, I mean, but, but tell us about Dougie's performance. That was a strong performance and from from. So Dougie. it was a PB for Dougie, and yeah. and you know it's seven years since he set his PB in, in wow. uh, Berlin. Yeah. There's, there's hope for so, us all. Uh, so there is there is definitely hope. He's he's a 35 year old uh, vet now. Yeah. Um, <laughs> he won't mind me saying that because it's it's in the results. It says P35. <laughs> but but he took a I think it was about a minute and twenty uh, off his best. And um, so having had a couple of marathons in the past where the wheels haven't exactly come off, but the second half is kind of find them a wee bit wanting. Um, the strategy this year was just to go through in 70-30 uh, and be quite cautious. And so he did that, and then he ran a 70-minute second. Well, he ran 70-26, oh. I think, for, oh. for the first half. Very and nice. Then, then oh, 70-01. So, so he did a negative split. And, I, nice. I, I mean, like most folk, tw- 20 or so seconds outside sub-220, so he's a bit irked with that. But, you know, I have to say, he got his training right, he had a good block of training, we got the fueling right, he got his pacing right. And to be fair, I think he got the best out of himself uh, on the day. I mean, in terms of scores, I think Ryan Thompson, he he, he ran pretty well to get a 218. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Is there... And I think I think the other one that's worth really mentioning is uh, Jeannie Barand. So Jeannie, a, metro, yeah, so a friend, so friend of ours, 
235 taking a couple of minutes off her PB and she's yeah. another um another athlete who's creeping down there I mean that's uh she didn't do she had a bit of a I think she won't Ginny's a friend she won't mind me saying a bit of a night not a nightmare but a disappointment in Berlin uh one of those days didn't come together and she's uh she's you've got you come together well since then prepared obviously really well not the not the tightest it's not so tight a turnaround I guess that Berlin to Valencia but yeah I mean 235 that's quite a quite a pretty good quite impressive is that not she's, 15 she's another, time Scottish sorry, I was just gonna, yeah well. she, she's another athlete that's coached by Mike Johnson I think she is yeah um, so Mike's got his finger in a few pies and and, and clearly yeah. supporting some some talented folk yeah, yeah what were you saying Kyle top just top I think it was a uh, top 15 all time performance by Ginny oh, as well, right, okay. um, yeah and that uh, so no, great great result by Ginny and um, I mean, what a two or one there was the winning time. Uh, so it's clearly a a quick course. But more importantly, someone ran two thirty nine in a pair of tartan running shorts, which is uh, which is the oh. which for me is the biggest news. So uh, Gary Trewartha was in touch with us on uh, Twitter, uh, and yeah, ran a PB seven minutes off his PB. He took uh, in a seven pair minutes. of TRS shorts. Gary is a is a gala harrier so well done gary that was very cool Ooh, uh, to see you yeah. look at that representing did, did he have a picture he did indeed yeah well, uh, uh, which is on, uh, you'll on, see yeah. it on our twitter and he's got that oh, i won't share because it it's not great in the podcast pointing the phone at you guys but yeah the classic i've been down to valencia and that classic shot you've got in front of the 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 sort of the museum behind the start finish here it's uh Great, which is cool. Um, That's but you know what? One thing I was going to so Valencia was class. One thing I wanted to talk about: um, two slightly negative, not negative, slightly sad subjects. One of which, the petition for Grangemouth will come to. But the recent news about the Commonwealth, I suppose, quite keen to get. I thought it'd be interesting to get your your takes on this. That it looks like the Commonwealth Games. We heard a few weeks ago that the um, uh, that the Australians were um, the whole city was going to pull out. Now it looks like they're really struggling. So Victoria State struggled uh, pulled out. Um, twenty twenty six we're talking about here, really struggling to get a a whole city to step in. And I mean, what do you think? Are we looking at the are we looking at the the nail in the coffin of the Commonwealth Games here? Does it have a place in the modern? modern world sporting calendar and even the athletics calendar really with worlds and euros and and the cost of everything these days what do you reckon i mean my 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 sort of take on it is cost is huge legacy is even you know a, a positive despite cost how much is there a legacy going to be with some of these events you kind of want to put them on with something to give back over a long term not just for the athletes um but the money needs the, to come the from the money. Is, the money still needs to come from somewhere, though, right? Yeah, I mean, the, the the question I've got is, you know, why can it not just be like a, you know, a Commonwealth-wide event, and just, you know, you just do an event, because I mean, you know, the people, the people who generally go to watch it, are the locals. Um, sometimes people travel for them, but most people watch it online or on TV. So can you not just have a a multi, you know, a, 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 you know, events that are multi, you know, across various Commonwealth countries and it just spreads out the cost. Uh, and you just utilise the facilities that are already there. If you're going to invest in a particular 
facility, then that's, you know, you've got a reason to to build it. You know, you can go, right, well, the Athletics is coming to to Scotland. So this is a great opportunity to, you know, revitalise the, the Grangemouth Stadium or something. Um, and it's a small crowd, but it's online anyway. I don't know. Just, uh, <laughs> I'm just one guy with one opinion, but I, I think that makes a lot more sense. I mean, the Olympics, something like the Olympics is huge and it always will be. Something like the Commonwealth Games is, you know, it's not a, a worldwide, it's not as major as as the Olympics or the World Champs is going to be. But It's interesting you talk about legacy. Do you, and that's one thing I've been, when I'm sort of reading these articles and I'll be honest, I'm kind of sitting on the fence with it because I think there's, I'm I'm not sure where it's placed anymore, but the thing I can come back to is what is, how do you put a value on legacy? I mean, so take Glasgow. Do we are we and you said something really interesting earlier, Lewis, that we punch above our weight. Are we feel particularly in athletics then? Are we feeling the legacy of of Glasgow? Is that is that part of it? I mean, what is the what is the is is this legacy? Is that is it real? People talk about it all the time, like oh legacy. Is is legacy from a Commonwealth Games tangible in terms of do you see the result of that really? People are questioning the London one now. Well, but I think, uh, yeah, so I, th- I think there's always going to be questions, you know, around it. Uh, I mean, I, I was at the Glasgow Games um, and it was a fabulous experience mm-hmm. and, and it's something I'll never forget. Um, so it's it's certainly it's certainly the kind of big sporting occasion that can make a, a big imprint. You know, I was down in Birmingham uh, last year and again, I mean, it was amazing sitting in that state. It was just absolutely fabulous. Um, but I mean, I've got a pretty tunnel vision view, you know, in terms of heritage. You know, I've, I've grown up with the Commonwealth Games. I mean, 1970, when I was a, a young lad, I'm not going to tell you uh, how old I actually was in 1970, but 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 seeing, uh, you, you know, guys like like Lackey Stewart. Uh, you know, winning the 10k and then and then that kind of brilliant epic 5k were the things that got me into athletics, things that got, mm. got me running. So my my heart is is definitely pulled in in in, in that direction through those experiences. And at the same time, you know, if we lose the Commonwealth Games, Scotland, you know, we won't have a we won't have a Scottish international team mm-hmm. that goes anywhere. You, you know, the Commonwealth Games, you know, we don't have Scotland in the World Championships or, or the Olympic Games. Um, so, so 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 that's a bit of an issue. I, I think that I, I don't I don't think, Kyle, that that spreading it out is a gore. I mean, I think it, I think it's great in theory, but I think in practice it just it it's just very difficult to make that happen. Um, I, I think and this will probably sound a wee bit controversial, but I, I do think that that the games would probably need to be pruned in some respect in terms mm-hmm. of the number of uh, athletes across all disciplines um, that 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 are currently part of it, um, and you, you know that will create quite a bit of controversy in, in and of itself. But I, I think you've got to look at some of the top sports like athletics, like swimming, um, mm-hmm. that that do draw significant you know attention. And and see how we can can make that happen. But 2026, I think it's dead and gone. Um, yeah. You know, I can't I can't see anywhere stepping in at this this stage to be able to host it. 
Um, I think it would need some kind of government uh, support. Um, don't, don't see that happening from, from any of the Commonwealth governments. Um, so, and, and nobody's lined up for 2030. Um, so this could be the death knell. I, I hope it's not, but I think realistically, that's maybe what we're looking at. I think my, I, I mean, for what it's worth, I, I agree with almost everything you say. I, I was at Glasgow, loved it. Um, I, you know, I would love to, you know, I'd love to take my kids to the Commonwealth Games in the future. I guess that, and the Scottish point is, I think, is a really pertinent one for us. I saw one of the Welsh athletes, Olivia Breen, was talking uh, this week about it. Same, I guess, very similar situation for Wales. And what I was mulling over was, A, there's some sports where the Commonwealth Games like the Olympics is still like the holy grail. Like take netball for example. I think that is that's one of those sports that that a title at Commonwealth Games is so big. Um, same and I guess athletics to an extent. Think of your Scottish athlete. The question I was mulling over myself was if Scotland had a team at the Euros. Say imagine that happened. Is there a part if you took away the romanticism of the Commonwealth Games, is that still serving the purpose then of of Scottish athletes having that opportunity every four years between an Olympic cycle? Or do you think it, because it feels like quite heavy, post-COVID with everything getting reshuffled, particularly the last two, three years, it felt quite a packed calendar. And I wonder whether that's part, and particularly in athletics, is that is that part of the, is that, uh, is, is that a concern for a sport that's struggling? I think athletics is struggling in terms of uh, finding its place amongst the major sports uh, from a revenue perspective, from what I read. I don't. I don't think that. I don't think that in kind of global terms, athletics has got a great marketing behind it. Um, and you know, com- compared to to certain, you know, clearly some of the the, the big professional sports in the US. Mm. Um, I mean, Michael Johnson's been all over Twitter. Um, yeah. And that's not Mike Johnson from Glasgow. That's Mike Johnson. <laughs> you know, uh, uh, 400 meter uh, ex world record holder and multi gold medalist. He's been all over Twitter, um, really about how how do you create um, value, you know, a value proposition in athletics that that will, you know, that will pull in, um, you know, funding, revenue, and all, all sorts of other stuff, interest. Um, you know, how do you get personalities to mm-hmm. and, and athletics is its own is its own nightmare in a sense because part of the time you, you know you get you get kind of head to heads for various uh, events over the summer and you find that you, you know a week or two before it you know somebody drops out or 48 hours mm-hmm. before they drop out you know that there was a series of 100 meter runs that that were going to you know include their last Olympic champion that didn't happen for a variety of reasons um, and I think that I think that does the sport a detriment so so you would have to you'd have to have something I think marketing wise that has top athletes competing very regularly head to head you need to create interest about a drama about a conflict maybe mm-hmm. um, you, you know so whether whether we can get our head around doing that or not. And I, I come from the era that athletics was an amateur sport, very amateur, you know, and if, if you won something at a Highland Games, so Colin, Colin spoke about the Highland Games in, in Gala. Um, if, if you won some money there, then you'd had it. I, rem- I remember John Robson, one of our great 1500 metre runners. John John did win some, some money at a Gala 
uh, well, at, at, at one of the games and, and I think came close to not being able to compete. This was when he was a lad, you know, and, and it was the kind of stuff that was always held against you um, and, and and you had to be strictly strictly amateur. So I, I come from that, that kind of background and it's difficult for me to to get rid of that and and it's it's not that, that I'm not into the professional mood, but I I, I think that we've got an awful lot of athletes trying to make a living mm-hmm. um and scrimping and scraping a bit to to try and you know eke out something for a few years and and and, and try to get something out of it. And I, I think it's really quite difficult. So I think I think it's a whole aspect of Funding of our sport, commercialisation of the sport, making it a you know much more attractive proposition. But hey, the, I'm warbling now, guys. You need to jump do you in. think? Do you think uh, yeah. there, there's an opportunity to spin out uh, a Commonwealth Athletics Championship as a standalone event? I remember a few years ago, Fiona, my wife, she she competed for Scotland at the Commonwealth Games half marathon in Cardiff, which was part of the. Yeah. They, they they put that in there, and I remember at the time thinking that was a great f- format. It was really cool to see. I really like it when they see these these sort of championships included in other existing races. It gives opportunity for Scottish athletes to to wear a vest. It meant so much to her at the time. Do you think there's a, there's an opportunity there when you've got a, a Commonwealth Games with 22 sports? They're talking, you know, enormous cost to run it just to scale down and say, okay, in that case, I don't know who would organise. You have to be the Commonwealth again. You still need a host, but is there? Do you think that is that a, there's scope for that? I, well, I think I think for the big sports like athletics and swimming, the, then there is that possibility. Um, and you know, I, you know, it's something I would like to I would like to have investigated uh, to see what what the possibilities are. I, I mean, I I was in the stadium in Birmingham, and and it was the it was just fabulous. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah. day after day, it was. It was just such an amazing feel yeah. and huge crowds. I mean, the interest was was you know certainly in, U- in the UK, the interest there you know filled the stadiums, yeah. day, you know day in day out. So so we we know that we know that that kind of big athletics event that that goes on for a week is is incredibly attractive. Yeah. And it, it um, absolutely so, gets the numbers. Like you know, I was at both Glasgow and Birmingham as well, and. They were packed, you know. There was so much talk and hype about it. Do, you know, if it was scaled down, would it still have the same effect? I probably think it would. You know, if you have the major sports that are, are followed, you, you you're certainly going to have the following. You've got enough people who who follow it, um, but it's more just the funding side of things. If you scale the sport down, does that limit the the, the funding opportunities as well? You know, from a commercial aspect as well as a uh, you know, just so, I, I, Birmingham I think, came at a cost of seven hundred eighty million. I yeah, say that uh, without any. I'm not saying I. I'm, I say that without any knowledge of how that compares to other championships. Whether it's useful, it had a, a, a estimated global TV viewership of eight hundred thirty-four million, um, two hundred fifteen million digital views. You say, Kyle, which is along what you're saying. So big online presence there. Um, so so it's a, it is a lot of money. Um, and I guess yeah. it's it's sad actually. I find it particularly sad that that is it's as you say, Lewis. That twenty six is is done. Twenty thirty doesn't look great. I mean, suddenly you're talking 
yeah, I mean, it's. Uh, I'm not sure how it comes back from such a big I think, gap. I think the thing that's uh, is sports becoming, you know, generally from a running perspective, it's one of the most, it's the highest participatory sport there is. You know, you've got the park runs from grassroots all the way through to, to marathons. And, you know, mm-hmm. it's a, a sport that's accessible, but there's still barriers to get into it, um, which kind of leads us on to talk about Grangemouth. Like, yeah. I mean, I haven't, I don't know a huge amount about, you know, the, the details behind it, but, you know, Grangemouth Stadium, I mean, Lewis, you must have competed there. It's been been there for years, I competed decades. there as a lad. Yeah. I was there as a lad. I <laughs> so mean, so I, was I. I. I remember running, well, I was 17. Uh, I remember running a 1500 there. I ran a PB 1500 there, age 17. Um, yeah. Was it the warm-up track there as well when you were there? Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, there was. That, there, I'm pretty certain there was a the warm track there. Yeah. yeah, yeah, the indoor, the indoor bit. Yeah, I mean, that, um, that's like I remember. You know, maybe the same with you, Lewis. Like that was the hub of national championships. Was there was always a, a you know a major champ or national type championship or a district championship at Grangemouth. You know, be it the Scottish schools, the Scottish athletics championships, whatever it was. Yeah, uh, it, it's like the, the the place you go to, you know, to to run to run fast and and to get titles. Um, it's it's I, I mean you look around Grangemouth as well and you think some of the major oil companies are there. Uh, is it Ineos Ineos are at Grangemouth and you're kind of like, why are they not helping this facility right next to the doorstep? Like, you know what's uh, what's what's going on here? You know what what. It's just a track, like. Well, the Grangemouth is up for sale as a, as a, or it's, it's sold, right? Not the the stadium. I mean, all the as a, a process facility. Yeah. You know, that that even there, even there. I mean, I I fully agree with what you're saying, but we're in a city where I'm constantly amazed in Aberdeen that we don't see more oil and gas companies putting their finger in their pockets to, you know, to support. And again, I'm not saying they don't support the community, but in terms of athletics, it's about how do you brand it. So if any else, let's say any else pump money into into Grangemouth. We, I, I think I tend to agree with everything I see from Michael Johnson on Twitter. We have a problem in the sport. It, I don't think it translates into into being... Yeah. It doesn't translate to, say, an Ineos. They put money into it. What what does that mean? The Ineos Grangemouth Stadium? I mean, how do you turn that into really... I'm not necessarily I'm advertising revenue. That's not what they're after. But how does it boost their brand? And I'm not sure it really... it would They would get much out of it without... And I think Scottish, Scottish, I say Scottish Athletics not as an organisation, but the Athletics in Scotland, sorry, has so many strengths. It's just a, it's a difficult one. How to harness that and how to turn that power of success and enthusiasm into something that's marketable, that's that can, and okay, you're not always going to pay back everything. I think there's always an element of it's genuinely investing in in grassroots and in in you know in healthy nation and all that. But some there needs to be some form of return, I guess, for these companies. Yeah, but I think, you know, when you talk about some of the costs that some of these companies have got and you, you're like, well, they, they must have a CSR that can support where this, you know, it just balances out their company and you think, come on. But, um, but yeah, anyway, I, I think what, what we want to get to with the, the Grangemouth, there is a petition. Um, so we'll link that in our notes. We've shared it on Twitter. Um, but Sign the petition, and you know I don't know how 
how much it will get us, but um, we, we certainly don't want to see Grangemouth closing uh, from a yeah, facility perspective not. and from a athletics perspective. Um, so if there's anyone who's listening to this and they're not aware of it or they've got ideas, suggestions, you know, point it towards Scottish athletics and and hopefully we can uh, save the facility. And yeah, so there you go. But on to, get, on to better news. It's now past my bedtime. Um, <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and, and, and there was some, you know, let's go back to some race results. Telford 10K was on at the weekend. And, that, and I saw some superb performances. And Lewis, I know you said you had some athletes taking part. Um, do you, are you aware of who, who was taking part? Do you have the results to hand? Um well, no, you're, you're just, so you're just, dump, you're just dumping this on me at, at uh, a late. I have the results of your. I have uh, the results. The, the mean, only one I wanted to, the only one I wanted to mention was Scott Sterling's twenty-eight yeah. minute ten uh, k. Yeah. That that I almost fell off my seat. Yeah. That's fin- that's what fantastic is the word that that's Lewis fantastic. and I use often. Fifth or often. sixth all time now? Yeah, I think he was fifth in the race. Um, no all time Scott. I mean, I think yeah, well up yeah. there, yeah. Quite amazing. Um, did you have anyone running, Lewis? Well, I was I was I was meant to have four folk running, four uh, females in in uh, in the race. Uh, but as as chance would have it, two of them two of them developed kind of last minute um, colds and coughs and had to withdraw. Mm. Uh, literally about twenty four hours uh, in advance, and another one did did run, but felt you know was really challenged in the second half of the race but you know because of that but um so holly page was was uh the, the one athlete she dipped below 34 minutes she ran 33 59 nice. so that that was a that was a big pb for her um so uh, yeah I was, I was impressed with the good to see former trs interview ben petrikas um you know, a guy who we know as the he was short course champion cross country last yeah. year. So you know, so see Ben on the roads, ten k, twenty nine, twenty four. That's good going. Yep. So that's, that's pretty pretty good going. And there was also Natasha Phillips was I think it was Natasha so, fourth in the women's race, thirty three oh four or something. Yeah, that's right. Um. So she's another former she's a uh, interviewee. Very good. Well, Kyle appears. Kyle's done a runner, so it, it feels like he has gone to his bed. So it's maybe a good time to wrap up. Um, as always, listeners, if you'd like to get in touch with us, he is back now. Uh, back. Sorry, my heating was going crazy. I, I kept hearing this echo. I thought yeah. it was the kids, but it's not. It's uh, just my heating. So your best bet: reach out to us on on Twitter, Instagram, or on the the Facebook um, Run Clan. Those are your best bets to get in touch with us. Uh, we are looking at over the next few weeks, looking at getting. We've got a few interviews um, lined up. We're looking. We're getting, getting a Christmas special organised as well, as always. And then we'll start looking in January ahead to next year. We'd love to hear what you're doing next year. Please jump if, right in. Tell us your your B hags. We've not done that in a while. What are your big hairy audacious goals for 24 that you'd like to share? Yeah. We'll maybe talk a bit about our ambitions for the year as well and uh, look ahead to an Olympic year. So yeah, a lot to a lot to talk about over the next uh, coming there months. There is. There is uh, now. That's that's a good time to talk about BHAGs. Uh, so I better have get my thinking caps on and you know Be try consistent. and work it over over and above a, a park run five k PB. 
Do you know what? Just on that notice of consistency, and I'm, as I've said, as I feel like Lewis staring to my soul, I try and justify various <laughs> things. Uh, I am uh, so I've decided to do Markathon this year. First time in years I've done it. It's Markathon. the you know De, you know Marco Consani, Debbie's. Husband. Oh yes, yeah. Um, yeah. De- Debbie's, uh, Debbie's husband. Debbie's also been on the show as an interview. So Marco started this like 16 years ago, and it was just to get into shape for January. Basic challenge: run every day. A run is 25 minutes or 5k, whichever comes first, in December, being a challenging month to do it. And, you know, I'm someone who, you know, a year ago, running every day was no issue. Now, around all the usual life stuff, but Christmas, you know, with the Christmas parties, work travel, this. Anyway, I'm now 11 days in and I'm I'm still hanging in there. And I've had a couple of days where it's been a six o'clock run for literally 25 minutes because I've just got to get, get it in, end of a flight. And do, I was saying to Fiona last night, and I'm hoping this will bode me well as I'm really trying to regain some consistency is for the first time in six months i would say i feel like it's not even a question i'm going to run today and that is a really that it's been quite interesting i've definitely gotten to a bit of a a sort of rut over the last few months where it yeah life is busy everyone's busy and it becomes too easy just to not run and whether motivation comes into it but now it's like i mean there's no there's no doubt i mean if i hadn't run lunch today i was planning to run after trs like i'm getting it in and I'm hoping these are habits that it's going to almost jumpstart my consistency a wee bit for um, for January. Anyway, the reason I raise it is there's a few TRS listeners on um, Twitter are getting involved as well doing Markathon. So if you are doing oh, Markathon, keep going. That. We're in it together. Boom. Keep oh. going. Well, well done, listeners, and, and well done, Tommy. Tommy's back. Hey, look at that. Here, well, here I'm, back. I'm not sure I'm back. Let's see if I can make I've only 11 <laughs> days into 31-day challenge. Now, be, before we, before we uh, our next show, we're going to be... Um, a year older, Tommy. Eh? We're we're matter. looming into that uh, that over forty. Do you know what? 40. Like when we get to next year, January the first. Do you know like the year after we'll be in our forties? How crazy yeah. is that? Kyle, what, you it's always this, you always make this so depressing when we talk I know, about but that what, sort one, of thing. Just I'll, let, I'll, let, I'll, let it go. I'll, I'll spin it round though. The British Masters Cross Country Championships. How old do you have to be? Is it thirty five or forty? Uh, I think it's, it's in Forest for this the, year. Thirty-five for the British. Is it? It's in Forest this year, eh? Interesting. You should do it. I should. It's a stay at my mum's and roll out of bed and or hobble out of bed, however you want to. When do. is it? When is it? There's a. I think it's like mid February, isn't it? Mm, interesting. But I'm gonna I'm gonna find out because uh, that that would be ace to to do the British Masters Championships. Nice. Wouldn't have thought I'd be doing it in my thirties, but hey ho, here we are. Um, mm. But anyway, well, uh, we will have a show before Christmas, I think. Yeah, we'll find a date. Uh, and um, yeah, we we will have a special guest on as well, but we we are unable to divulge that right now. Not because we don't know, just to keep you on tenter hooks, folks. Uh, but thanks again for listening, and um, yeah, thanks again, Lewis and Tommy, for keeping me entertained in a cold winter's night. Good night. Here's Alan, Alan McIver.